You're listening to Radio Influence. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Hey, good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. Of course, I'm your host, Vincent Hill, coming to you from Atlanta, Georgia, as I do each and every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on RadioInfluence.com. And I gotta apologize early. My voice is just about gone, so if I sound a little faded, it's because my voice is gone. I spent the entire weekend in New York City. Uh, my kids and I flew up Friday uh, for my daughter's 22nd birthday. Today is her birthday. She's a Halloween baby. Uh, so we flew up Friday. We spent the weekend in New York. Uh, Friday, the weather was pretty decent. Saturday, it was really great. And Sunday, it was cold and rainy. And of course, when I flew back to Atlanta on Sunday, uh, it was it was very, very cold. So my son started to get sick on Saturday into Sunday. And I think it's finally catching up with me. But we had a great time up in New York City. Uh, I flew my kids up first class, uh, going in, coming. We stayed at the uh, Manhattan of Times Square, which I always stay at when I'm in the city. It's a great hotel. I got a chance to take the kids to Central Park. That was great. Uh, that was their first time going to Central Park. But the the kicker of the entire trip was we actually got to go to the 9-11 Memorial. Uh, I'd been there before about a year or so ago, but by the time I got there, they were getting ready to close, so I didn't get a chance to go in, uh, but the kids and I got a chance to take the tour, and guys, I got to tell you, uh, if you, if you ever are in the New York City area and you get a chance to go to the 9-11 Memorial, I highly recommend it. Uh, you, you talk about going back into a time wharf when you walk into that place, uh, the experience was something that's really hard to explain, especially if you remember that day, especially if you were affected by that day. Uh, there's just so many things that when you look at them and you see them, it literally brings tears to your eyes. And, you know, when I first walked in and you go down the stairs to where most of the exhibits are, and you can actually see steel remnants of the actual World Trade Center. There's uh, boxes of tissue scattered around and, you know, areas of the exhibits. And when I first saw that, I was thinking, what the heck is up with this tissue? I guess in case, you know, people get sick, they get a runny nose or whatever. But as I was walking through it, and I was just looking at things like the fire truck that was totally smashed by the rubble that fell down or the ambulance that had burned that caught on fire or some police badges that were melted down to nothing. It literally brought tears to my eyes and I had to walk away for a moment to regroup, to get my composure, to continue the experience. 
and I regrouped. I got my composure, but I lost it again. As you're leaving the exhibit, you go up the escalator, and the bagpipes are playing, and I immediately lost it again. But I tell you, it was one of the greatest experiences I've ever had. Um, you know, it, it definitely was worth the price of admission. I would pay for it again. There's actually a annual membership that you can buy. I think I will buy that simply because the proceeds to that still go to the men and women affected, the first responders affected by 9-11. So I think even though I doubt I will go that many times because, A, I'm not in New York that often. I think I go up there once every other month. And B, even when I am in New York, most of the time it's for business and I don't have time to uh, to go to things like that. But I think I will buy the membership simply because I want to donate to those first responders who, as we all know, are still dying. Here we are 16, 17 years later. They're still dying from the effects of September 11th, 2001. So again, if you're ever in New York, if you get a chance to, to go to the 9-11 Memorial, I promise you, I assure you, it will be worth every penny. It will be a great experience for you and your family, especially if you have little kids that may not even remember it, right? Like my son was barely five months old. My daughter was six years old. So to be able to take your kids to see that, and to be able to tell the story of how, back in 1993, Osama bin Laden tried to take the World Trade Center down. And then you walk into a room and it's talking about Osama bin Laden and how he tried to take the World Trade Center down. Man, that's a great learning experience, great bonding experience for the family. So I highly recommend it. Now, of course, I just mentioned today is my daughter's 22nd birthday. So I'd be remiss if I didn't wish my firstborn, Alexia Talani Hill, a very happy, happy birthday. Um, you know, it just makes me feel really old when I can say I have a 22-year-old. Uh, but, you know, there's there's things in this world that none of us would ever, ever trade in. You know, I've had two bad marriages, but I have two amazing blessings out of those marriages so I wouldn't trade her for the world so happy birthday Alexia Hill I love you now speaking of Halloween I guess there's a little controversy going on about a costume up in uh, Nevada Reno Nevada the University of Nevada police there was uh, one of their officers uh, officer Gutierrez, who decided to dress up as Colin Kaepernick. And he has just a red shirt with uh, 49ers, number seven. It's not really a 49er shirt. It's something that he made up that looks like with uh, some duct tape or something. You can tell it's a fake shirt. But he has a sign uh, hanging around his neck that says, We'll stand for food. Uh, he has on a a, a wig, which is obviously an afro, and a painted-on beard, and a big nose. Now, he didn't paint his face black or anything like that. So, of course, 
um, there's this outrage over this costume that says, you know, this officer was racist by pretending to be or wearing this costume, portraying himself as Colin Kaepernick and saying he will stand for food. So, of course, the costume has mixed reviews, but the department chief has pretty much slammed this officer for wearing this costume and basically has offered his apologies to anyone that may have offended because he should have been more uh, in tune with, you know, the public and what the public may perceive as racist or unsensitive, if you will. And I want to read just a small quote from the chief, Chief Garcia, uh, and what they said about the officer. Members of our profession are held to a higher standard, and denigrating another on or off duty is insensitive for its lack of respect and lack of understanding on how others may negatively view their actions and may be impacted. And that is directly from Chief Garcia. And I want to touch on that here for just a second. Because they mentioned members of our profession and being held to a higher standard and all of that good stuff and a lack of respect and lack of understanding. Well, I equate the actions of Colin Kaepernick. First of all, I didn't see anything wrong and I definitely didn't see anything racist, racist with the costume. A, personally... I thought it was pretty daggone funny. But when you're talking about a lack of respect and a lack of understanding, when you look at a guy, Colin, Colin Kaepernick, who to this day still refuses to stand for the national anthem because of this so-called injustice that is being committed against the black community, and he continuously degrades the flag, continuously degrades those that have died protecting the flag and those that are still out protecting the flag and he continuously disrespects first responders who run into buildings like the World Trade Center when it's on fire when he continuously does all of that when you talk about a lack of respect and a lack of understanding I think you look no further than Colin Kaepernick himself I mean, lack of understanding, well, if Colin actually did his homework, he would understand that this so-called injustice in the black community is a narrative that's just made up, that he's not smart enough to find out for himself. While he's hashtagging out Alton Sterling and Michael Brown, he's not hashtagging, hashtagging Dylan Taylor. He's not hashtagging all the other white people that were killed by police. And if it was this racial injustice in the black community, then why are white cops killing white people? Does that, by default, then make them racist? Or does it make that police officer doing his job and being forced to use deadly force and a split-second decision. Because when you look at it by the numbers, when you look at how many white people have been 
killed by police year over year, which outweighs the number of black people killed by police year over year. There's a lack of understanding on Colin Kaepernick's part. There's a lack of understanding on all the NFL players who choose to kneel during the national anthem of what's really going on in this country as it relates to police and as it relates to having to use deadly force. And you talk about a lack of respect. Just think of how many veterans go to football games. And during the national anthem, right before the game starts, they see the team that they spent their hard-earned money on kneeling, disrespecting the flag, and disrespecting those veterans who have paid their money to see these guys play and to see these guys make millions of dollars. All of these guys, which for the most part have never been oppressed, who have never really dealt with police, so they really have no idea what it's like to interact with police besides what they see on CNN, what they see on Twitter, what they see on Facebook, or what someone has told them. You talk about disrespect, but yet this chief wants to hang this officer basically publicly because they can't discipline the officer because he didn't violate any policy, but when you're hung publicly by your own department for the exact same thing that Colin Kaepernick does, freedom of speech, that's what everyone says, you know, when they're defending Colin Kaepernick, his freedom of speech, his First Amendment right, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's what this officer did when he decided to wear this costume. So it's okay for this multimillionaire who has no clue of what's going on in policing to do it, to express his freedom of speech. But when this officer does, everyone has a problem because they see it as racist. So let's flip the script and let's ask it a different way. So if it had been a black officer that did it, would they be saying it's racist? How could they then say it's racist, right? Because uh, it's a black officer portraying a, well, biracial man who is considered black, I guess you could say, and he considers himself black. So would it have been racist then? Or would it just have been a costume that everyone laughed at? I, again, personally laughed at it. I thought it was quite funny. Will stand for food, especially when you think back a few weeks ago when Colin Kaepernick says, well, I'll stand for the national anthem if you give me a job. Well, if what you're saying is true and you're in support of police reform and you're in support of fixing the racial problems that face the black community by police, then you would never waver from what you say you believe in. You would never come up and say, well, I'll stand for the national anthem if you give me a job. Because what that tells me is, once you get that job, you'll be right back to doing the exact same things that you're doing right now. So, to me, if you're willing to waver from what you say you believe in simply because you need a job, then what is so wrong with this officer saying, we'll stand for food? Because that's basically what Colin Kaepernick 
said himself just a few weeks ago. But this story just gets even worse and even more stupid in my opinion. So now there are people upset with Chief Garcia because they use the word denigrate, which means to blacken. So one person said that chief needs to resign or be canned. How dare he use the word denigrate, meaning to blacken, as an insult to this officer. He could have said disparage, but no, he decided to use clearly a bigoted and racist terminology. Does he think we cannot read? Please inform BLM, Black Lives Matter, of this chief of police in a position of authority showing such racist language. Really? When will people ever be satisfied? So now you want to hang the chief for the word he decided to use during his statement while he was basically publicly crucifying the officer to appease to the community. And now you say the chief himself should be fired because of the choice word he used. Really? Now, what, what, what's that term that floats around that people say uh, snowflake? Really, snowflake? You want the chief to be fired because he used a word that means blacken. But let's flip the script again. So let's say the chief never even made a comment. Then guess what? You would still be calling him a racist. You would still be saying you want him fired because he didn't speak up and he didn't take action against that officer. So when will you be pleased? And just so I'm clear, so you have Officer Gutierrez, who obviously is a Hispanic officer. You have Chief Garcia, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's not black and he's not white. He's Latino. I'm going to go out on that limb, but yet, because of the choice of word that he used, now he needs to be fired. But again, had you flipped the script and the chief, Chief Garcia, who happens to be Latino, had not said anything, then he would still be a racist, and then he would still need to be fired because he supported this racist officer and his actions. Let's get a grip, people. Let's stop being so dang sensitive, right? Do you think this officer, I assure you, was not the only person dressed as Colin Kaepernick on Halloween. I assure you that he wasn't the only one. But because he's a police officer, and because someone knew that, and they snapped this picture, now all of a sudden, it's this big deal. I'm positive there were more costumes of Colin Kaepernick going around this holiday Halloween weekend than just Officer Antonio Guterres. So I want to switch to Salt Lake City, Utah, and I'm going to bring this full circle. So how many of us have heard the name Michael Peterson? We should have heard it because just a few days ago he was shot and killed by Salt 
Lake City Police, right? So Colin Kaepernick and Michael Bennett and all these guys that are kneeling during the national anthem should definitely be hashtagging the word Michael Peterson. Well, they're not simply because Michael Peterson was a white guy fatally shot by police. He was shot a total of 12 times by police. So where's the uproar? Where is the hashtag? Where is Black Lives Matter saying that the chief of police needs to be fired if it only happens in the black community? And if white police officers only get off because they kill black people and it's modern day slavery, where's all the uproar about it? Well, Michael Peterson, the district attorney of Salt Lake City, Sam Gill, announced this past Wednesday that the fatal shooting of Michael Peterson was legally justified. And you want to talk about video and you want to talk about violence and you want to talk about all of this police brutality. Go ahead, pull up the video of the shooting of Michael Peterson, which was captured on tape. But I'll give you the cliff notes. Police were attempting to stop him because someone had called police. You remember that saying I always say that crime brings police, not color. So someone had called the police for, I believe, trespassing. When police arrived, Michael Peterson began to walk away. He gets into his truck and then the officer tases him. So he tries less than lethal force. First, then the taser, and I've said this before, had no effect on Michael Peterson. He exits his vehicle. The officer then goes for his ass baton, but Michael Peterson was able to overpower the officer and take the officer's ass baton, striking him in the face, in the hip, in the ankle, which broke his ankle at impact. And then you can see, because it's on surveillance camera and body cam, you can see Michael Peterson going after another officer with the ass baton. The officer retreats. Then he goes back to the officer who he had first encountered and starts approaching him at a high rate of speed with the ass baton in a swinging motion before the shots ring out. And he died there on the scene. Now, let's flip the script. And let's say this was Ferguson, or let's say it was Baltimore, or let's say it was Chicago, and you still had all of the circumstances that police were called to the scene, that you had surveillance footage, that you had body cam, that he stole an ass baton and he assaulted the officer, that the officer attempted to tase him first. Now, let's flip it again, and let's say Michael Peterson's name was Michael Brown, or let's say his name was Freddie Gray. Or let's say it was Tamir Rice or Alton Sterling. Can you imagine what we would be seeing right now? Why is CNN not reporting on the shooting death of Michael Peterson? Why are they not showing this? Because they want people like Colin Kaepernick and Michael Bennett and all of these guys to believe that police have it out only for the black man. That police only shoot and kill the black man. Right? Nobody's heard of Michael Peterson outside the city of Salt Lake City, Utah. Nobody's heard of this guy. 
Nobody's in an uproar. Nobody's demanding the chief of police be fired. Because, A, the officers were justified, and B, it doesn't fit the narrative. But again, if you want to see it for yourself, and it's a pretty brutal video, there's a lot of blood, I will warn you, but go see for yourself. I will actually post it on my Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV, so you can go there, you can see it, and then leave your comments. But if what the NFL players are saying is true, if what CNN reports is true, if what BLM says is true, then why did Michael Peterson die? Because he was a white guy. So in theory, police should have just talked him out of the car, held hands, sang kumbaya, patted him on the back, and then placed him in handcuffs and taken him to jail. Because that's the narrative that everyone says, that it only happens in the black community. Well, Michael Peterson had an ass baton that he stole from the officer. Alton Sterling had a gun, and he resisted the officers. The officers were white, and they shot Alton Sterling. These officers in Salt Lake City that were dealing with Michael Peterson were white, and they shot and killed Michael Peterson. Now, again, does that make them racist? Now they're saying they don't like their own race? Or, I got a better theory, that the officer was forced to use deadly force based on the actions of the suspect, Michael Peterson. So to all of those guys, the Colin Kaepernick's, and all of those people that are upset that someone dressed as Colin Kaepernick, because they're fed this false narrative, again, I challenge you to go learn this stuff for yourself. Go read for yourself. Self. Don't trust and don't believe what someone in a two-minute package on TV tells you. Go learn it for yourself. Hell, go ride along with police. Hell, Go call Michael Peterson's family, because as much as we saw Michael Brown's family and Alton Sterling's family, because, you know, President Obama said America should feel the pain of Alton Sterling's family. Should we be saying the same thing for Michael Peterson? And let me flip it for you. Can you imagine if President Trump said Michael, uh, America should feel the, the pain of Michael Peterson's family? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They already call Trump a racist. But could you imagine if he went to the funeral of a dead police officer and said, America should feel the pain of Michael Peterson's family? Man, could you imagine what we would be hearing and seeing if that happened? So, again, go learn it for yourself. Don't believe the hype of mainstream media. Police have the hardest job in the world Split-second decisions, not even in the military do you have that. Police have the hardest job, and then people want a Monday morning quarterback and say, oh, they didn't have to do this, oh, they didn't have to do that, and it only happens in certain communities. Yeah, not so much, because Salt Lake City, not to sound racist, but 
that's about as white as it comes. I mean, there's a lot more white people in Salt Lake City than there are black people. And this guy, Michael Peterson, was shot and killed by white police officers. So go kneel about that, Colin Kaepernick. All right, I'm just about out of time. So, of course, it's time for my 10-7 segment. And tonight I honor Trooper Daniel Keith Redman Jr., South Carolina Highway Patrol, South Carolina. His end of watch was Tuesday, October 24th, just one week ago. Trooper Daniel Redman was killed in a vehicle crash when his patrol car was struck by another vehicle on I-385 near Bridges Road in Greenville County. He was parked on the shoulder of I-385 when a pickup truck left the roadway and struck his patrol car from behind at approximately 12.20 a.m. Trooper Redmond was transported to a local hospital where he died later in the afternoon. Trooper Redmond had served with the South Carolina Highway Patrol for 13 months and was assigned to Post C. He was also a dispatcher in Greenville County for four years. Trooper Redmond is survived by his wife, three children, parents, and his sister. Godspeed to you, Trooper Daniel Keith Redman Jr. Thank you for protecting and serving, albeit a very short time. Thank you for your service to the community. Godspeed to you. My prayers to your family. My prayers to my listeners. Thank you, as always, for listening. And I will see you right here next week, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, right here, RadioInfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, follow Vincent on Twitter, at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. Chef Brian Duffy here. I've got a new show called Duffified Live that's unlike anything you've ever heard. Each week, I'm going to be talking to some of my friends, some people I've never even met before. We're going to be talking about people that I meet on the road through some of my experiences. We're talking about restaurants, talking about great stories, great guests, wild adventures, the whole nine yards. Get Duffified Live with me, Chef Brian Duffy, each week on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.